Hello and welcome to Breaking Social. I'm Alex. And I'm Joe. And in this episode, we're speaking to Vicky Ross. Vicky Ross is a copywriter and brand consultant and works with huge global brands like Sky, ITV and Spotify to help them nail their tone of voice. If you're working with a brand, everything you do that speaks directly to an audience member is copywriting. Whether it's an ad or a social media caption, you need to ensure that what you're saying captures the attention of the intended audience member and gets your point across in a brand-friendly manner. But that's a lot easier said than done. We chat to Vicky about why good copy is so important how she finds and defines a brand's tone of voice, as well as the principles that she applies to ensure her copy hits the spot every time. Hello, Vicky. Thank you so much for joining us. Do you want to start just to kick things off with telling us a little bit about how you got into copywriting and why you focused your career around copywriting and brand tone of voice? Uh, Sure, that makes it sound like it was all a grand plan and it really wasn't. Um, When I was a kid, I loved reading and writing. I didn't, I mean, like most copywriters, never knew what a copywriter was, never heard of it before. I loved magazines, so I thought maybe that meant I wanted to write for magazines, uh, which isn't actually true because there's a lot of long copy involved in that, and that is not for me. I like to write a headline, (laughs) um, and that's about it at a time. I didn't know that things like advertising schools existed or that to get a job in the advertising industry, it's encouraged to have an internship or get a mentor or find a placement. I didn't know any of these things. And also, I didn't want to study anymore. I I wanted to earn money. So after doing my A-levels, and I'm just going to say doing them, that doesn't mean I passed them. I didn't. (laughs) I went straight to work. I never wanted to go to university. It looked like three years of spending money that I didn't have. So um, I wanted to get straight into earning money. And I got a few admin jobs, like PAs and secretaries and receptionists. And uh, I ended up being a PA in a direct marketing agency. I mean, I had no idea that that's what it was at the time. But I worked out or, you know, learned as time went on that they wrote reader offers in the national press. So with my wanting to write in a magazine, I could see the connection. I asked if I could write a reader offer. They thought that was quite funny because I had no experience. But because you could measure the response, they let me have a go anyway. And I wrote a full page reader offer in camping and caravanning magazine um, selling a portable dishwasher and washing machine and I thought I'd made it that was it I was so happy it performed well because it was direct response they could measure um, how it performed it performed well they let me write more I went on to write more reader offers in more national press um, bit sorry to any camping and caravanning enthusiasts but more exciting stuff in my mind anyway <laughs> Um, than that and so that was my starting point I was there for two and a half years but because I'd gone straight from college I was only 18 when I started I uh, oh I'm I'm gonna go a bit dark okay really quickly I had a bad car crash and I thought okay life's short I don't belong in a direct marketing agency straight from school so let's go and see the world so I went traveling for a year and a half when I came back I thought I'm a copywriter I can get a job in an advertising agency but again Um, same problem as before I didn't have the right connections or the right book or the right experience so I got a PA job at the body shop and um, I'm going to cut this long story short now and just say I told the lady I was working for that I wanted to write and when I showed her that I could she moved me into the marketing department from there I moved to the creative studio and I've been what I can safely call a copywriter ever since. That's 
<laughs> really good, although cut short, uh, I'm sure, um, story. Just something that you kept referencing there. You you kept referring back to the fact that you know you read a lot growing up. You want you knew you wanted to be a writer for magazines. What is it about that that you enjoyed so much? I think magazines, like the glossy magazines, just have something really sexy about them. They feel nice. They're heavy and shiny. Um, they've got sexy pictures in. Um, and it seemed glamorous and I just loved writing and I, I made stuff up when I was a kid like most people I um, wrote my own little short stories I hadn't connected copywriting and advertising or that advertising was any different to what I'd seen in the magazines at the time but I've obviously learned that since and also in my first job I learned what a reader offer was so I didn't know mm. what that was either so that's not an advert really but yeah, I'm not really clear on all the technical terms of everything because I've had no formal education or training in the industry. That's amazing. I mean, us neither for ours, have we? we this is something <laughs> yeah. that we've been doing we, for a while. But um... yeah. You just know just know what works, don't you? <laughs> Do you know what? I think it's better not to know all the technical terms, to be honest, because then you just keep it real. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I suppose on that kind of topic, when we were talking about that we were going to meet you and we were going to get to talk to you about copywriting, we come from a uh, social media background at first, which has evolved into digital work. Um, but coming from social media, we've grown up in an era where people are almost using imagery and video and GIFs more often than they are writing what they want to say in words. And that's kind of a lot of what we what we do in social media. And I wondered if you, you have noticed a, a kind of shift or a kind of over-reliance on imagery and a kind of decrease in the standard overall of copywriting or if the opposite has happened and where in a in a kind of world where you've got 100, 140 characters say to, to capture someone's attention have you noticed an improvement in the standard of copywriting in the sense that people have to get their message across in a way that's that's much much quicker i suppose my my question shortened is in the, in the context of social media, how has copywriting changed? I think it has given more people more places to say something with words. Even on image-led sites like Instagram, I believe that posts perform better when there are captions underneath or comments. So that's words. I say I believe because my I did do research on this a couple of years ago and it's out of date now, so I don't want to rely on it, but I would imagine it's the same. Um, and I think also lots of people do that whole, oh, we don't need copy in an advert because no one reads anything anyway, which is just not true because people are reading stuff all day, every day on social media. And yes, they might use images, um, but I would, I'm thinking that most posts have words with those images too. Also on social media, people search for things by using words. So if you haven't used words, then you, your post, I guess, gets lost. Uh, I have to confess, I was really against GIFs, memes and emojis for a very long time because words are my thing. Mm. Um, and I thought you should make the effort to express how you feel through words rather than rely on these things. But I'm not of a typical social media user age, I suppose, if there is one. I'm thinking of younger people, basically. Um, but then I worked with Twitter last year, and they just really got me more comfortable using emojis and images and things. And I can see that you can use both effectively. The important thing for me is an advertising principle applies in my mind, which is you don't need both and you shouldn't 
explain the other. So words and images or memes or GIFs or whatever it is should complement each other and, and build on each other for the message as a whole. That's brilliant. And I think I think you're absolutely right. I think we've seen the exact same uh, in that images with good copy underneath and whether or not people understand that they're, they're copywriters when they're coming up with a caption that gets them significantly more engagement than, than it would otherwise. We definitely see that trend in pictures with context or pictures with copy do better. And I suppose that brings us on to the point of why do you feel from your perspective as someone who's built a, a career out of it, why do you believe that copywriting is something that brands and companies should be investing in and paying attention to um, in the context of today's today's media landscape? Well, copy is how a brand talks to its audience. And if it hasn't considered how it talks to the audience, then that conversation is not going to be hugely effective all the time. But also it helps uh, a brand differentiate itself from others. So there's a number of reasons why you should pay attention to how you're talking. And copywriters can encapsulate so many things in uh, a succinct way that lands effectively like there are techniques to get people to respond or pay attention or click or buy or whatever it is that you need your audience to do you can't always do that without words and without a voice and definitely not only through imagery how involved with a brand do you feel that you need to be to be able to nail the copy uh, that they're going for for a specific ad or a specific purpose. Do you feel like you need a full brand immersion session with with that brand when you're when you're working with them, or do you often feel like you just need to get a glimpse of what they're going for and you're able to come up with something that that works well? Uh, both is the short answer, but um, it depends. So I've been working with one of my clients for ten years, and they don't even write me briefs. They just you know they'll either put a question in an email or they'll ring me or they'll text me and I know exactly what they want because I've been creating on their behalf for so long. I created their tone of voice guidelines. I know how to say what they want to say and I know what to say. Um, but if I'm working with a new client, I want to know everything. I want everything that they've done before, why they like it or they don't like it, why it works and why it doesn't work, who they look to, what other competitive brands do they look to, what's their audience like and I mean, you know, the word brief to describe a brief is, you know, an ongoing joke because briefs are never brief, are they? Um, so you can send me 15 pages of background, but quite often it's what comes out in a conversation with a client where I find something that's the most interesting. Because I think when you're faced with a page and you and you have sections of a, the brief to fill in, you maybe don't think beyond that, whereas a conversation brings up lots more areas that you might not have considered. So I think you have to be nosy. I like being nosy. I like knowing everything. I like going behind the scenes. I like going to someone's head office. I mean, it's, we're in a pandemic right now, so it's difficult, but I like getting a feel for where, where they're coming from. Um, and the strongest brands have where they're coming from built in from the, the office and it works out into their communications, not the other way around. So for example, um, I did a case study on Netflix last year because I work mostly in uh, with entertainment and media brands. And Netflix's head office in LA looks like a multi-screen cinema from the outside. And then when you walk in, the reception area is filled with massive screens showing, I hate this word, content. 
Um, so immediately you walk in and feel like you're in a place where entertainment is made and that helps your mindset, I believe, to then create on their behalf. And just out of curiosity, that process that you outlined there that you would ideally go through, how long would you go through that process before actually embarking on a piece of work for a client? Uh, again, that depends. Like Everything's different. Unfortunately, our jobs are just not black and white, are they? But yeah, uh, like I'm speaking with a new client at the moment. I think we're going to spend a week of exploration and then move into execution. I mean, that's a luxury. You're often just, you know, running before you can walk and catching up as you go. Or even a lot of my job is creating brand books and tone of voice guidelines. Often I'll be writing the ad campaign for the brand and sort of behind the scenes writing the tone of voice guidelines. And then they'll go out afterwards. And of course, really, I should have the guidelines first and then be executing on them as in creating the ad. So, yeah, I think it's, uh, I wish I could say that it's more clear cut than this. Students often ask the same question, just how do we do it? And I think part of being a creative is feeling your way. Obviously, there are there are milestones and things that you can work to. But yeah, a lot of it is working it out too. And I was just wondering, so just thinking about our, our listeners for a second, there'll be a lot of people that are listening to this that are either marketers themselves or are really interested in building their own brand and their own brand tone of voice uh, and tone of voice profile so if they're a person that is developing their brand is there a kind of best practice or or lens to think about brand through and the tone of voice through that you'd be able to to give to them yeah i always think what is it that you want people to know about your brand like why should they trust in you and be prepared to spend time and money with you often it's because they might enjoy what they get from you and I don't just mean the product I mean the whole experience you know if, if a brand has a fun uh, friendly personality then maybe the audience likes feeling like they're they're don't get me wrong I'm not high on my own supply I know people aren't friends with their brands but it just might be an enjoyable experience when they're with them but equally they've got to be able to believe in them in other ways like if it's a a medical brand it needs to come from an area of expertise what they're saying and professionalism and care uh, so that the audience feels reassured while they're with them so there there are lots of things that you have to consider in terms of a personality it really is like creating a person what is the person that you want to put out into your audience's mind and how are you going to make them recognize you and feel like they want to return to being your customer so I run lots of workshops one in particular I don't know why I did this to be honest I worked with a brand and I created a workshop that was a bit like a cocktail party I got everybody to stand up and mingle and talk to each other about the brand as if they were talking about a person so this was a rebrand job so they already had a brand personality and tone of voice but I wanted to know why they didn't want that one anymore and what it was that they wanted to be and sound like and look like and feel like in the future so yeah I just posed questions at them and they had to talk in their in their groups uh, and I went around capturing everything that they said so it was things like what would you want people to say about you if they were talking about you to somebody else like what words do you think are right for your brand and and words I really like playing with typical words and phrases for a brand so like Disney owns magical Apple owns pro I say own it's not an official thing but they are words that when you see them or hear them you would connect them back to the brand and that's a really easy and quick way of 
giving your or appearing to give your brand a personality and identity uh, without doing too much. That makes complete sense. And I, I was interested on the point that you raised on that you're almost developing a, a person or a persona for a brand when you're working on this. And I wanted to know if you've ever had to work with brands on developing their tone of voice in different countries or in different regions and how language, and if you've not, that's that's fine, but how, how language can affect both copywriting and brand tone of voice. Because obviously the way that a kind of, like that person may not be as suitable for a different region, for example. So I wanted to, do you have any examples or do you have any advice on how you change or tweak tone of voice whilst maintaining some level of consistency? Just on a basic level with copywriting, a lot of people ask me, um, how can they make their copy sound conversational when they're writing in a foreign language? And I always say just to use everyday language because that's easily translatable. Um, like let's not get sort of flowery and, and, and romantic with it if it needs to make sense in another market. Although saying that, if you've got a marketing translator, then you'll get the translation right for that market rather than a straight up translator that will just translate the words that won't make sense uh, when they're in the other language. But just on the creating a person thing, I don't know why I gave the example of creating a person. It's a good analogy. I don't actually like doing that as my own process, but I have done it a few times. And the one that really sticks with me is uh, when Sky Atlantic launched, which is a TV channel on Sky in the UK, and it's got all the HBO shows from the US. One of the series that it launched with was Mad Men. And in a brainstorm working out how Sky Atlantic would speak, it just came about that it was a man, he was confident, he was captivating, he was maybe a bit sexy, he drank whiskey, not beer, he smoked, he was creative. And then we were all like, hold on, this is Don Draper in Mad Men. And so even though it wasn't sort of put down on paper that the Sky Atlantic tone of voice is Don Draper, it gave everybody a reference that they could all easily execute from. Because, uh, you know, then you're like, well, would Don Draper say this? What would Don Draper say? And that can really help people bring a brand to life when you think of it as a person. I see. That's really interesting. And I wanted to ask if, so if you're working with a brand, you've, you've obviously worked with lots of brands in the past from Sky to Spotify to ITV that are, that are massive and understand the value of good copywriting and how to find their tone of voice. But I wanted to know, do you, do you have a pitch to people who are neglecting brand tone of voice and the way that they write their copy? What would your, how would you pitch the idea of improving this or paying more attention to this to those to those brands or those companies? Um, I think it's a bit like we talked about before. I think it's important to think about how your brand talks to your audience so that it can get to know you, work out if it wants to buy from you or spend time with you. It's also, again, I said earlier, it's a way of differentiating from other brands and it's also a way of uniting people within the brand because I mean, you mentioned the brands that I work with, they're all really big and they've got thousands of people in them. And if they're all trying to write something from the brand, it's going to come out in a million different ways. Whereas if they've got this one set way of speaking, then they all know what to do. Everyone receiving that information knows what to do and knows who's talking. And it makes for a tidier experience and more effective communication on the other side of that 
Are there any brands that you admire for the the way that they come across in their copy and their tone of voice? So that, is there anyone that you feel like has, has nailed it? Yeah, uh, lots of brands. The thing that's the most impressive, and I will name some, but um, the thing that's most impressive is, to me is when a brand is consistent with their tone of voice in everything, because that's when it works. It's impressive because I've worked in a small team where you can't get everyone to write in the same way. But then you look at a big brand like Nike, who has, well, firstly, they support every sport and every team and every player, and they speak for every fan. So that's a lot of work to do. Then they have thousands of people working for them all around the world and agencies creating on behalf of them all around the world. And everything that you see from Nike looks and feels and sounds like it comes from one place with one voice. That is impressive. Same with Virgin, the Virgin Group, slightly smaller, but um, similar. I mean, they've got offices across the UK, agencies across the UK too, and everything feels like it comes from one place there. But these things only happen when, well, you get people within the brand that get it and that aren't afraid to stay consistent and they're not distracted by, oh, we're doing a new ad, so we've got to do something different. We've got to speak differently today because they know that that's going to potentially put their audience off. So they use all of their assets consistently all of the time. Everyone always knows it's them talking. Like uh, slogans. Okay, so KFC, for example, they've been saying finger licking good for about 65 years. McDonald's, I think, have been saying I'm loving it for 30 years. The, the slogans that we know and that we remember and that we recognize are the ones that have been used consistently. It's a distinctive brand asset. Your tone of voice and what you say is also a distinctive brand asset um, and it should be treated as such. The, the value of brand consistency is, is massively overlooked, in my opinion. I completely agree. And it's actually something that we as an agency talk about all the time when we're talking about the work that we do we always say like the, one of the biggest parts of our job is taking the message that a client wants to say and translating it into almost like the language and culture that each different social platform has for example because what you'd say and the way that you'd say something on a platform like tiktok isn't the way or what you'd say on instagram youtube pinterest snap you name it um it's all very different where does a brand start to be able to to achieve that? Because, you know, maybe a personality is a good place to start. You know, you build a personality or a tone of voice pack. But doing that translation and making sure that a, a big team is consistent with that does, it, when you think about it, seem like an impossible task with the amount of messages that are firing out. How, do, how, how does a brand achieve that? Well, there are a number of ways. The, th the ways I found effective is if there's a brand team and there isn't always one, it's maybe a brand person and they're often, you know, by themselves fighting the good fight yep. <laughs> with not much backup uh, because everyone around them just wants to make money and uh, aren't thinking about the, the brand bits that go with it. Uh, so I would say a brand team and then within the brand team, just having reinforcements all the time. So weekly reviews, like uh, one of my clients they have a weekly two-hour meeting where anyone creating something at that time can come in and have all of the brand team with their different specialisms. So say me for copy, tone of voice, uh, a designer for the visual branding and so on. Um, and everyone has a say in it and make sure that it's all, you know, everything's on brand and, and always will be throughout that whole project. Also brand ambassadors within teams and departments. Again, I work with big clients. So there's lots of people like, for example, at Sky, 
I actually couldn't tell you how many different teams there are, but there's, you know, just to keep things simple, TV marketing and, and broadband marketing, let's just say. Um, so if you had a brand ambassador within each team there, representing the brand within the sub brand, that can be really helpful. And then things like just showing that you that you care uh, and having a brand team that maybe puts out regular communications of uh, showcasing the stuff that's gone out recently that's on brand or looking at another brand and saying oh look what they've done with their brand assets they've used them well because and and maybe doing a, a sort of a review or a case, like I said I did a case study on Netflix last year um, that was for another entertainment client um, so yeah it's keeping on top of things I guess. Mm. And something I've always wondered as well just in, in that same line of thinking, I guess, is you mentioned that, you know, that one of the most important things for a successful brand tone of voice or brand image is when that tone of voice and messaging is consistent across um, all the different touch points. How damaging is it when even once that that falters, in your opinion, if the tone of voice is wrong or different to what it should be, even just one time, how damaging is that? Or how many times does it take for that to go wrong until it's really, really damaging? Um, that's a good question. And unfortunately, there's lots of commentary on how you can't quantify the effects of branding. Um, so I couldn't give you a, a financial answer, say. Sure. Um, that's not my area anyway. But um, I'd just say by reputation, with people talking more on social media about brands, and I did a load of work with Twitter last year who had done loads of research on how people interact with brands. And I think we think they ignore them, but they don't. They pay attention. So you could just have somebody notice something on social media and it'd be as easy as them tweeting about it or, or whatever social media platform they're using and people joining in. You know, not everyone might have noticed what that was, but if one person brings it to their attention, you could have people jumping on there. And I was wondering if you are a brand who already has some level of awareness in market, but you want to create a, a drastic or significant change to your tone of voice, I feel like it goes without saying that you can't just change the next day and start speaking differently online and change everything. How do you go about going through that transition? Do you have to create like incremental changes to, to their tone of voice or how would you go about doing that? I think you could do it as an evolution, but also as a revolution. But you also have to respect the audience probably isn't that interested. So it's got to be right for the brand. So the evolution might be that you just start, I don't know, as an example, you just start speaking in a more relaxed way maybe you were a bit too formal before and you just start slipping in something simple like a contraction and, and just ease people into it. But another way is just completely starting against so the first direct. So they were a straight up bank and they spoke like other banks and they looked like other banks, um, just, you know, bank like. And I guess if you're looking at the high street and all the banks and you think I want to stand out, I'm going to do something completely different. And they rebranded and everything they did was explained um, and it all added up and it all made sense. So even though it was a massive revolution, they took people in with them. So they changed, they turned their logo the other way. So instead of being horizontal, it was vertical. And their slogan was uh, first direct, the unexpected bank. So everything they did was unexpected. Their logo was the wrong way around. They started advertising, talking about platypuses and tomatoes, 
And people were like, what is this bank talking about? So it got attention. And then once it got attention, it calmed down a little bit. And the advertising campaigns got rid of the funny animals and analogies and just started talking in a nice, easy, conversational way. And Aviva Insurance did a similar thing. I can't remember what they were called before. They wanted to change their name to Aviva. And this is where I talk about your audience needs to care. Who cares? (laughs) about an insurance company changing its name Uh, but they did it in an entertaining way they had people like I can't remember who else it was I can only remember Iggy Pop maybe Elton John doing a tv advert talking about how they changed their name and then it went into and and here at whatever we were before we're now going to call ourselves Aviva so that was nice and noticeable and sort of not not assuming that the audience would care more than they did but maybe making them care by entertaining them but then Curry's last year I saw so they used to be Curry's PC World or PC World Curry's I think they've rebranded to just be Curry's and they sent their customers an email saying something like great news we're Curry's no one cares (laughs) um the whole email was all about how they changed their name but there wasn't really a reason for it and it was just assuming that the audience was interested which I don't think was the right way to go about it. And I suppose as a, as almost like a, a, a sum up for our listeners, do you have any tips for people that are either trying to nail their copy or their brand tone of voice that are listening? Do you have any key principles that you try to stick to or top tips for, for nailing that? My top tips for copywriting are get real, get personal and get active. Get real is using everyday language or the language that your audience uses so that they can see themselves in you. Get active is using the active voice so everything feels current and lively and in the present because if it feels in the past, why would anyone take any notice? Um, And, oh, I did it the wrong way around, didn't I? Get personal (laughs) is my second one. Get active is my third one. Get personal is using the first person. If you're in a brand world, you don't need to keep saying your brand name. Your logo's already there. People know where they are. Um, It feels formal and like you're just being you know, as a as an audience, you're being sort of broadcasted out rather than brought into a conversation. My tips for tone of voice are understand the brand and who it's talking to and what it does and what it wants to be known for, and then create around that. And then there's some really simple things that combine tone of voice with copywriting, which is, um, like I said, using those typical words and phrases that will always connect people back to a brand, even if the rest of what you've written isn't exactly in the tone of voice. And if you're trying to write for a brand that's already got a tone of voice established, I suggest writing what they've already written, copying out some of their web copy maybe, and then continuing to write something um, so it feels like you already write for the brand, but then what you go on to write it sort of comes from the same place. So um, for context, um, this question I'm about to ask you, we ask uh, every guest on the podcast. and it's You've more... both gone very sheepish. <laughs> no, 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 there's nothing to worry it's about. Nothing, it's, no. um, so we, ask, we, ask, we do ask every guest this question, and it is a little bit more personal about you and your career. But uh, the question is, what one quality do you see within yourself that you feel without it, you wouldn't succeed? Um, well, okay, so I'm not very good at following rules and I can't count, so I'm going to give you two. One is I'm nosy, like I said, and I think without being nosy and wanting to know everything, you can't, you can't express everything. Um, you have to come from a place of knowledge to be credible and believable. And the second thing is going to sound really wanky, <laughs> but it's, it's having empathy 
and care for how people think and feel and the context in which they're living because you can't say anything of interest to them if you haven't understood that first. So I guess that's nosy as well, knowing <laughs> knowing everything about a brand and knowing everything about its audience, put the two together, you should be able to say something that's pretty interesting to everyone. <laughs> Excellent. I like that answer. Thank you very much for your time and for coming on the podcast today. Thanks so much for listening to Breaking Social. Make sure you subscribe to us so you're notified when an episode drops. And if you want to keep up with what we're doing at Campfire, make sure to follow us on the socials in the show notes. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode.